and welcome to this episode of The Sit Down with Subiras. Uh, I'm Chris. I'll be hosting with my brother Anthony. Uh, I'm the drummer of Subiras. We recently spoke to Ross Coots, festival booker, radio presenter and band manager. The first time Anthony and I ever met him uh, was when our previous band, The Sinsheimers, played Gig in the Goyle. So let's jump right in. See, when, when we were in the Sinsheimers together, like, I personally found it bizarre. It's probably a bit, a bit of a too strong word. It was an unusual experience. It was an unusual venue. The, the drive out there took a while. We weren't really sure where the hell we were going, and it was all very forested. And the, the venue itself, it was like a, like a big manor house, wasn't it? Like, like, around the grounds of a manor house and inside. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, it's, it's on Drumsigny Estate, so nowadays it's a, a holiday village. The main sort of centrepiece of the of the holiday village is an old sort of castle-like building that's been there for, for hundreds of years. I think it's a, I don't know how you categorise them, but it's a listed building anyway. We've changed the layout very slightly over the years after we've seen what works and what doesn't work. In the second year, actually, we did have a stage up in the old building, and it was called the castle stage, but it, people were just not going in to watch the bands because of people were hanging about at the door. They felt kind of awkward and almost that sort of intimidating way where the stage is right at the door. So you found that it just wasn't doing particularly well up there in terms of getting the everyone was piled in. You could you couldn't get through the door for, for there being big crowds, but then actually when you went into the venue, it was a, a lot sparsely um, kind of populated. So yeah, we've changed the venues around slightly over the years, but basically just a, a series of, of different venues within that one building. It's a, a fairly substantial complex. So we've got the main stage where you are Scottish trad, folk music, a bit of country, that, that sort of stuff, but almost the bread and butter of our festival. So that you've got that and then starting which i think was the year you guys played you were in was it the one with the roller shutter the room we were in i think you'd originally booked us for i think it was like the main day was it a saturday but our singer and uh, neil due to com- uh, family commitments he couldn't make it on that day so you moved us to the sunday so i think you had to move what stage we were on and the one we were in i think was the one you were referring to there inside yeah so that would have been the one then yeah so we've kept that venue as a sort of vip lounge right these days it's a cracking part of the hotel. It's a great characteristics and, and atmosphere about the place up there, but we felt it was just more suited to a VIP. And we do have acoustic acts performing throughout the weekend, but we've got a, a sort of bigger second stage now, which is the, the showcase stage, which is where the acts perform. But I guess rather frustratingly, and it's great to obviously to keep the bands involved that, that I have booked for next year's festival to roll over for a second year, but it's now... I mean, we're faced with bands that, that I booked in pretty much summer 2019 are going to play this festival maybe two and a half years later. In that two and a half year period, there's been a host of bands that have come up that I've absolutely loved the material. And obviously you guys being, being one, for instance, and you're like, oh, it'd be great to book them for an event, but we've got a, a full gig in the Goyle lineup and have had so far for a couple of years so as much as we're exciting getting the bands all, all in and, and together it's just like we just want to get it not out the way because we're really looking forward to it but it will be good to book a lineup from kind of scratch as well rather than constantly moving this over i think it'll just be a sigh of relief more than anything when we can actually go go ahead have an amazing weekend and then yeah look to, to book again for the following year knowing that 
we've had a successful event that that has actually gone ahead and not had to be rescheduled due to the pandemic. What's the sort of bands that you're looking forward to seeing most in the the virtual one this year? You know, I mean, you're putting together the lineup yourself. I don't, do you do that yourself, or is that a part of a team? It, it's mostly just myself, to be honest. Yeah, I have a team that help me with the event, but mm-hmm. in terms of the lineup side of things, pretty much just myself, to be honest. And it's just, I guess, just having that musical knowledge and, and background. There's a lot of, so say, expertise at a guy holidays in terms of there's a lot of good marketing support we've got our own construction company on site as well that they help with the build of the site and such like which is amazing but in terms of a, a music sense i don't think there's anybody else there that's got that sort of passion to know right we need to get this band in or we need to get that band in so first year my mate andy who started the festival with me he's since left the company but yeah it was it was the two of us that used to book the lineup but since 2017 it's just been me in terms of who i'm most looking forward to seeing we've got an absolute ton of great bands on the lineup again for the virtual gig in the goyle it's built around next year's lineup so it's to try and sell tickets for next year's event essentially mm-hmm. it's going to be free to watch really excited for trail west on the saturday night one of the sort of biggest trad acts at the moment latest album came out tail end of last year countless aisles and endless miles it's an excellent listen the guys are energetic and i think as well they've not really done a huge amount during lockdown so there's some bands that have got involved that are regularly doing facebook lives or they're performing pre-recorded sets and putting them out but trail west haven't really done anything like that during lockdown i think they've only had one other live stream last year so it's quite a special one for the guys as well and knowing that they're they're going to get to perform live as their six piece in, in the shows of the goyle but there's a lot of like exciting like young bands and stuff playing as well we've got the likes of the Rove from up, up in Lossiemouth, up in sunny Lossiemouth, who are who are a brilliant band Ruval, a kind of trad act again we've got iona fife and michael biggins who are trad award winners uh, and then again like the likes of clan and drummer dead sea souls rest ted christopher cody Feakin, uh, robin ashcroft there's tons um connor fife as well is gonna he's gonna kind of kick it off on the friday night with a sort of a facebook live but there's yeah but there's a ton of acts that we've got that are playing next year that are getting involved with the virtual event as well which is which is cool it sounds like an awesome lineup, so I think definitely we'll be tuning into that as well to just see how everything goes and just see what's on offer. I think I think everyone's kind of missing live music. I know you said obviously some of the sets are pre-recorded, but with the, the world we're living in right now, it's going to need to be. You know what I mean? Not everyone can can has the, maybe the the technology to to go live from their own house. You know what I mean? Uh, with with a good enough quality for it. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it myself. Are you going to see something there, Chris? Yeah. It was just, just when you mentioned Trail West, not having done a lot online and they're, they're, they're dying to play a gig, it kind of jogged my memory. I, I bumped into another one of our guests the other, just the, the other day, J- James McKenzie of uh, Soundshape Studios. He r- records a lot of local talent. I don't know if you've came across the name. Anyway, I, 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 I work in a supermarket and I just bumped into him just the other day and we got talking about any and all local scenes are going to look like post-Covid. That first gig, or that first handful of gigs, it's not going to matter what the genre is. Everybody's going to come out for it. There's such an appetite for live music in any and all forms right now. For for months, every gig that comes up, you're going to want to go and see it, regardless of the genre, and everybody's going to be there. All your pals, it's just going to be brilliant. 
I definitely. Yeah. Like, my mate said this to me recently, and I had a bit of a laugh. Uh, and I remember him saying, he's like, Ross, you could honestly be going to your first gig back, and it would be a random session in a pub, and it could be an, a totally out-of-tune band that were just awful, and it would just be amazing, because you're there, you're out with your friends again, there's some sort of live music, and you've got a drink in your hand maybe as well, if, it, cool. if you're allowed to drink inside by then. But no, I, th- I think we will see the all of the scenes sort of thrive again when live music returns. I think it's given people a chance to see how much they have actually missed live music not being there. An 18-month absence is just something that's really bizarre to think about. And two years ago, you wouldn't have even have thought that there was any chance. Like if somebody says to you, gigs, live music, they're going to be cancelled for 18 months to two years, you would have just laughed and says, right, okay, next joke. It's April Fool's Day, you know, so right. it's just, yeah, it's been so bizarre, but just can't wait to get the, the music back. No, it's, it's completely unprecedented within our lifetime, so there's there's going to be tears and snorters, man, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what, there will be emotions, I think. There's, yeah, there's certainly some gigs coming up this year, and it's still a little bit uncertain as to when the sort of first show back will be as such, and if they're going to phase them in, maybe like pub shows and then the, the club shows, before your, your bigger venues like the Barras or your arenas. But I think as soon as gigs are back, I think people are going to be clambering around for, for tickets and there's going to be some um, some emotional nights, definitely. Mm-hmm. How did the festival start? Uh, I, I guess I've always been into putting on live music since before I started at uh, Argyle Holidays. So we did, I've run the odd kind of festival back in Bathgate. And I say festival, I'm not talking like your outdoor sort of summer festival. We ran many, the ones in Bathgate, myself and my mate Wardy, we ran Attic Fest, they were called. And again, it was just a huge venue. I don't know if any of you remember Room at the Top. It was a big clubbing venue back in the, before I was going out clubbing, but it, it then turned into a sort of live music venue it thrived more as a well i say like it thrived more as a live music it absolutely thrived as a club venue but it wasn't really my scene to be honest but yeah as a live music venue you could have four or five rooms running at the same time with your main room would be a thousand people and then you get a couple of hundred in each of the other rooms like it was a really big venue so we ran festivals there we did the odd one in in edinburgh as well so when i got the job at argyle holidays in 2013 it was a job in marketing, so it wasn't really anything to do with events or live music. And I started like pitching a festival. I think it was like a barn dance initially we were looking at, and I just kept pitching it to the directors, and then it got pushed back, and they were like, no, just focus on the job just now, and we'll try. And I think the word festival at the time put a lot of people off because there was a lot of bad press from Tina Park, which was a great weekend, but it would always be the bad press. It would hit the, the news. Somebody stealing a bank machine or somebody getting stabbed <laughs> or whatever. The, the bank machine one was a belt run it. I don't know how somebody managed to get away with it. And that's still not been found to this day, I believe. Somebody managing to leave the full team <laughs> part site with a, with a, a cash machine. That was. I, I've, got to say, I've got to just let the listeners know. I was laughing at the bank machine, but I realised that right after you said that, I started laughing and you said somebody gets stabbed. Oh, no, I wasn't yeah, laughing at that. The timing, the timing. <laughs> I did think that. I was like, to put the two of them together was probably two was completely de- opposite ends machine. of the scale. But yeah, so there was a lot of bad press around around just the word festival. So I kept pitching like a festival or an event and eventually the, the sort of senior managers and directors turned around and they were like, right, let's put on an event, but you can't call it a festival. So that's why the name Gig in the Goyle, it doesn't, it's not like a so-and-so fest or festival. It was just completely left out the name because the first year we, we weren't actually promoting it as a festival at all, albeit 
it was essentially a boutique festival. So that was back in uh, 2016. It was a, a one-day event with sort of fringe events on the Friday and the Sunday. So it, it ran all day on the Saturday, the likes of the Snuts and Jerry Cinnamon. I think the Friday was uh, a couple of the guys who are now in Tidelines, Robert Robertson, Ross Wilson, that sort of gap between them leaving Skipnish and starting the Tidelines. So that was cool. And then the Sunday was the Begbies and the Banter Thieves. After that, it was a it was a success, and we just kind of built on that every year. So it's been fun. We were looking forward to our, our fifth anniversary last year, and then again this year. But it looks like our fifth anniversary will hopefully be taking place next May. Like Chris was saying, with the absence of likes of Gig and the Goyle and, and other just live music, I know this is obviously be your hopes, but I could see it, I could see it being kind of even more popular than it already is you know what I mean because people are missing it so much um, I don't know what the thing is but I definitely want to come along to it and just get right in amongst it book some accommodation because you, you guys offer that as well don't you aye so what happens basically and I think this is the thing that sets the festival apart is that with the fact it's on the holiday park we can sell accommodation and tickets so it's not a package as such but if you book your accommodation for whatever the accommodation price is then you get tickets for considerably cheaper than if you were just purchasing tickets on their own right i think it's about 29 pound for the entire weekend if you've got accommodation the scenery is beautiful as well over there so oh it's um, a stunning part of the country i tell yeah. you the only thing that that kind of lets it down a little bit in the summer is the, the midges, which are just, <laughs> honestly, year one at Gig in the Goyle was in, um, it was mid-June, and actually a big part of the reason that we pulled it to May the following year, and I've kept it in May since, was just that the midges were unbearable. It was getting to the stage that people were like choking on them in the venues. It was, there was clouds and clouds. Because there was that many people, it was a humid night, I've never seen midges so bad as that. There <laughs> was absolutely clouds of them, so uh, it's not too far from the central belt either, which is cool. A lot of people, before they come up to Lock Oilhead for the first time, think, take the best part of a day to get up there. It's going to take four or five hours. It's way up north, but but it's not. It's probably just about 90 minutes from, from Glasgow, to be honest. Just quickly, I can I can empathise with you talking about the midges there. I wasn't going to mention that, but since you did, I went on a, a long stag weekend a couple of years back to the, the banks are lock fine, and it was easily one of the worst weekends I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> First night was ideal, good weather, plenty of banter, plenty of beer, and then it pissed with rain, and there, there were so many midges in the air that it was almost like looking at television static. There, there physically wasn't any more room in the air for any more midges. And uh, the stag actually called a halt on the second day at 9pm. The effect of the Scottish midgey. There you go. <laughs> that wasn't the point I wanted to raise. It kind of leads me to another funny story. The, the accommodation idea really appeals to me. And if we're ever lucky enough to play it in this new band we're in Sovira's, I think that'd be ideal because we could party a whole lot more. Because the drive home we had when the Sinsheimers played, uh, it was kind of eventful. I should preface this by saying I do have permission from Big Dave to tell this story. Can I, can I um, button for a wee second, Chris? Yeah, go on. Just before you tell the, the story to Ross, anything that Chris says here, I can I can guarantee you this didn't happen on site of the festival. This was <laughs> yeah, after that bad, is it? <laughs> we were driving down, down the main road, and we get pulled by the, the local constabulary constabulary, that's easy for me to say. Turns out they had pulled this because the car was riding really low, right, because of all the equipment that, that, that we had in there. But uh, Dave was uh, 
was, I used this term in a previous interview, he was having a recreational smoke in the back seat. <laughs> it became a bit more of a serious, a bit more serious a matter than, than the police really wanted to make it initially, but it was all smoothed over. I think, you know, if we book some accommodation next time, you know, like... <laughs> Just stay on site, yeah. No, I'm sure you guys will be a part of the lineup in, in, in years to come, definitely. It'd be great to get you involved and, um, yeah, really liking the, the sound of the new project and kind of stripped back tracks that you released. Was that the tail end of last year that they came out? It was Christmas Day, wasn't it, Christmas, guys? Yeah, so it was, yeah. I think it was Christmas Day, yeah, we, and uh, we did it, we recorded it a few weeks prior to releasing it um, at Soundshape, James McKenzie, the guy in Greenock. We just said to him, this is the idea we've got, we want to try and do a live set available to release on Christmas Day. And James was kind of like, yeah, it's doable, but you're you're not really giving me much time here to, to kind of get it all edited and back to you and stuff like that, so... I think our thoughts were at first, we'll release it on Christmas Day and uh, and then everyone's going to be chilling about doing nothing, forgetting that everyone's going to be with their families, so it was kind of more boxing day when the views started going up. <laughs> yeah, so how did you get into music in general? I don't mean like listening to it, obviously, because we're all... <laughs> but obviously, for our listeners, you've obviously got a background in radio presenting as well. Um, was it Grapevine Radio you started with? The radio presenting came like long before... Like I started putting on live music. Actually, I started at Grapevine when I was 13 as part of the the good old Duke of Edinburgh award, where you had to you obviously right. did your 50 mile walk or whatever it was over four days, which the the, the feet took an absolute beating. But you also had to do some sort of like voluntary thing, and I'd been interested in radio growing up anyway. It always kind of fascinated me, so I got in touch with the grapevine the local hospital station where i stayed and says listen can i come in and volunteer once a week as part of this duke of edinburgh award and i ended up doing that for six months and then ended up just staying on ever since and presented the uh the kids show for for a couple of years when i was i say pretty much i was a kid myself i was like 14 at the time in 2007 i started a, a new music show and I've kind of continued on and off with new music shows since then. I think there's something pretty cool about your show because you get a lot of shows on different radio stations that try and promote unsigned music or, or maybe bands that maybe aren't as mainstream or well-known. But a lot of them, they can only play maybe a couple. But I've kind of noticed whenever we've been on your shows that it seems to be the majority of your show is kind of promoting unsigned bands. And I know there are a lot of signed bands as well, but they're maybe not as, as well-known as others. Kind of how do you choose which bands to put on? Because I imagine you get quite a lot of submissions from people wanting to, to get some airtime. How do you narrow it down? We do a show in Grapevine on a, a Saturday night and it, it doesn't go out live, which makes it like it's pre-recorded months in advance. We'd been unable to get into the studio actually because of the pandemic. One of the last things it's going to be back hospital visiting. So I'd kind of been speaking to River Radio anyway here in, in Dumbarton about potentially doing a show and like they've got a really cool setup it's actually really easy to get in and, and do a show live or as live so i could go in just before it goes out and record like certain parts of the show like i can record the interviews in advance and all that kind of stuff getting the two hours a week slot does give me a, a good bit of time to put in yeah there's some stuff that won't quite make it but i think there's a lot of good music in scotland and if the passion's there and if the band are, are really into it and do you know if, they, if they're sounding tight then yeah we can certainly get them on and i was going to say there's not such thing as a bad band i have heard stuff that i particularly don't like there's a real range of music coming out 
from Scotland just now, predominantly there's a lot from the West Coast and from West Lothian as well, where, where I'm initially from, the music scene through there is, is on fire. So yeah, I just listen to a lot of kind of other podcasts. I, I read a lot of like new music blogs and stuff as well, just to see if there's any acts that I've kind of missed that, that are coming through that we've maybe not played something from before and right, okay, we need to check them out and, and get their track on the show. But yeah, we do get a lot of submissions in as well and it's just a case of trying to get as many of them on as possible. But having that two-hour slot on a Thursday night, you know, that, that gives us a chance to play maybe 20-ish songs every week, which is a, a big plus. Well, working at talking about thanks very much for playing so videos on it last month really appreciated that absolute pleasure when i closed my eyes wasn't it bit back worse than that no crack and track love it you yeah, know but thank I'll you remember. <laughs> no it was good because i remember making a wee joke about the weather hopefully being the same across the water as well we can almost see you guys crossing the green and stuff but no it's great and it's great to see that often after after the sunshimers kind of called it a day that the, the Severes are have come out and you guys are doing pretty well and fingers crossed that, that after this pandemic comes to an end and social distancing is a thing of the past that get a few gigs and stuff again and i think we're absolutely desperate to do that like pretty much every other band when the sunshimers finished me and chris kind of quite early started trying to think about what we wanted for a new band and what was the kind of style we were, we were going to go for and, and searching for different band members and we got the lineup together fairly quickly but we were kind of spending about a year just trying to get tight and write some songs so we'd kind of been together for a year and then we're like you know we'll, we'll do a wee open mic night and uh, we did it went well and literally the next week <laughs> it went into the, the lockdown so we'd literally <laughs> just done one open mic night and now it's been a year so we've technically been together for about two and a half years <laughs> And not being able to gig. <laughs> oh, just the absolute worst timing of it, isn't it? Like, have so, you been looking at in terms of booking gigs and stuff again, or are you sort of vibe is that it's just still a bit too early to start kind of penciling in dates? There's been the odd one where you've maybe seen submissions open and you're thinking, right, I want to get involved, but then you see the date and you're thinking that is quite early. You kind of can't see actually going ahead, so you want to get involved, but then do you know what I mean? If, if you were to be successful and be added to the the lineup like the, the issues you found yourself with the gig in the Goyle, you're thinking, is it actually going to head in that day or are we going to need to kind of push back to the next year? It's a hard one. You, you want to get involved in as many gigs as you can, but when you'll be able to, who actually knows? You, when you were talking about the uh, putting together the show there, am I right in saying you, you actually do a playlist on Spotify as well? Not through the show. It's something that I've been meaning to do. It is on the, the plans. We, we do a playlist for Gig in the Goyle. So every year we will have a playlist of the acts that are going to be performing at Gig in the Goyle and we'll probably have one for this virtual G as well. But no, we definitely do need to set up a, a fresh sound Spotify playlist and update it on a sort of monthly basis or whatever. That's definitely on the on the bucket list, so to speak. So I think we'll have something done in the next sort of month or so. We've settled into the new show now and it's becoming easier to, to get everything together for that so that we get a bit of time to, to do the playlist. I think I'm probably just getting the two mixed up there. I'm thinking, I've definitely listened to a playlist before in the past and I've just, I, I, I think I thought it had in my head it was the radio, but now that rings a bell now you said that, but the, the gig in the goyle. So uh, where can people find that if they want to go and listen to that? Is there one up just now or is that something you're going to do? There are, I mean, you can go on and you can get next year's the 2022 playlist. Mm -hmm. So you can actually, there's a playlist created for all of the previous gig in the goyles, just a, a selection of the artists that are performing at it so just search spotify for gig in the goyle it should come up 
and as we announce the lineup for the virtual event, which will be getting announced any time now, then we'll put up the playlist for that as well. Awesome. So this is the part of the show where we let you, the listener, know a bit about who we are. We are Severes, a four-piece band from Greenock and Arakar. We formed about roughly two years ago and we were putting the lineup together in year one and writing our own material. Unfortunately, like many other bands, COVID-19 put a stop to our plans to get out there and perform live. A big positive from gigging is networking with others in the industry, including other bands. So basically that's what the sit-down with the Souvenirs has allowed us to do. Not only that, but it gives ourselves and you guys, the listeners, the chance to hear from others within the music industry. We really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far, and we'd love it if you could take the time to check out our own music. So Vires can be found on all major platforms, and you can also find us on social media. Please get in touch and let us know what you think of the podcast and our music. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the rest of the show. Aye, all this talk of playlists and the fact that, that you do radio as well, it, it, it jogged my memory about when Sinsheimers played Gig on the Goyle. We were interviewed that day. I'd totally forgotten about that. There was a wee radio set up somewhere on, on site. We, we were uh, scheduled in for an interview and a wee impromptu set. If memory serves, it was it was drunken. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if, that's, if, if that exists somewhere. It should do. So that's Danoon Radio. So they're like our sort of media partners for the event. Uh, so, yeah, they come up every year, set up the studio and broadcast live from the festival across the weekend with some live sessions. Every show on the station is live from Gig in the Goyle that weekend, and it creates a good bit of atmosphere as well. It's Danoon's probably the, the, the biggest local town to Loch Oilhead, so it's great to have them involved in the festival, and I'm, I'm sure they will still probably have the interview somewhere, and it's gone out again after the event. Yeah, I'll need, I'll need to get you the contact details for them and... We've actually stayed pals with uh, Fiona Galt. Right, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if you know her, but she, uh, she's she got her own radio show. So I'll, I'll maybe pick her brain, see if she can dig through the through the archives and see if she can find it. That'd be interesting. I'd imagine <laughs> it'll be fun to listen back to it. Aye, uh, totally. <laughs> what sort of bands did you listen to growing up? Oh, it was really diverse, to be honest. I was kind of brought up, my dad always listened to a lot of, well, Runrig, who, yeah, I've just grown up mm-hmm. listening to Runrig. Pet Shop Boys as well, who were completely different from Runrig, still are. Yeah, first gig was Pet Shop Boys back when I was, I think it was seven or eight years old, and I got to meet the band after it, probably because I was the youngest person in the audience that night. It's not awesome. a, a usual band for for youngsters like me at seven or eight years old. So I got to meet them, which I thought was great. What were they like? From what I remember, yeah, really sound. I think I just assumed that after going to a gig, with it being my first gig, you could meet the band after. So I says to my dad, I was like, right, where uh, where are the band then? Are we just going to see them? And he's like, no, it doesn't really work like that. So (laughs) I made them take me around to the back of the stage door. It was at the Armadillo in Glasgow. Yeah, he took me around and thankfully I think some of the touring kind of crew were outside and I says, right, right where do we meet the band then? And uh, they're like, all right, okay. And I think obviously with the fact that they had a, a seven-year-old Pet Shop Boys fan, I might have been a bit older actually, I might have been nine or ten. Uh, what year was it? Uh, I think it was 97, so yeah, I would have been, I would have been maybe about nine. And so they're like, right, just come in, you can meet the band. So I, yeah, got pictures and got some signed stuff and I was like, this is That's great. Crazy. I love gigs. I'm going to be back <laughs> at another gig soon. And then like the kind of indie stuff as well so i guess through high schools when you sort of form your 
predominant sort of music taste and what you'll be into for, for the rest of your kind of life and just reading a lot of like NME and, and listening to the radio like XFM and all that when it was back in Scotland like listening to bands like the Libertines the, the View when they were coming out with their sort of early demos right through until now still obviously love The View even though they're in a bit of a hiatus at the moment yeah just a, just a, a lot of kind of indie music really have you got like a standout um, gig that you've been to over the years? Definitely. Do you know, I was actually really, really bored recently during obviously lockdown, not a huge amount else to do. And I actually had a look on like previous gigs and compiled like a top 10 list and decided to do a blog because I'm, I'm that sad. And I was like, I'm going to do a blog of my top 10 gigs. But number one, it was Runrig, funnily enough, their final show at Stirling Castle. And it was 2018. It was a three hour set just like absolutely everything that you would like you've got your upbeat tracks like Loch Lomond and Pride of the Summer and, and all that kind of stuff and then you've got your your big sing-alongs like your Hearts of Old and Glory your Every River and such an emotional night obviously the the final gig for them after 45 years it was that was a, a particularly special night in Stirling but aside from that there's there's been a few Frank Turner at Wembley was really good that was his first ever arena show and you could obviously tell how much it meant to him more recently Jerry Cinema at the Hydro, which I just I was blown away, and I, I wasn't quite sure how it would go because we'd been going to see Jerry for for a few years, obviously lucky enough to have him in for gigs as well, and I'd been at his Barrowland show a year or two before that, and although he was in form, the crowd were, and I don't know, I think it was just before Christmas as well, and it's that time where it's just like an absolute mental crowd, but it wasn't even like mental in a good way there was just scraps absolutely everywhere and full of like just troublemakers really in fact i saw it someday and it just still stands out as one of the the most absurd things ever it was a guy in the gents toilets in the barrowlands and there was cubicles free and he was taking a shit in a bin it was that out of his face as you do and i was like this is a jerry Simon <laughs> gig at the barrowlands and i said what is actually happening here such a mental <laughs> night but i was blown away that the hydro like his sound just totally suited the arena it wasn't quite as well it was mental it was a mental gig but in a good way in the sense that everybody's there for the music and i think every single person knew like every word to every song he played which made it kind of special as well he's kind of whipped up a storm like in such a short space of time he's got quite a following now like people are just taken to him like immediately it's incredible, yeah, because yeah, he's obviously he's got Hamden gig, one of the many shows that's been rescheduled, and he's still unsigned. He's he's kind of against the, the way that the industry's run, and he's against major labels yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So there's an independent act from Castle Milk that's just built up a, a following, and, and whether you like him or whether you don't like him, you've got to surely admire just the oh, fact oh, he's on the stage of selling out Hamden, and it still won't won't have a backing band or anything it's just him and the guitar and, and pedals and, and it's just such a sound like so kind of anthemic i think he's going to prove that he, he doesn't need a backing band and um, he uses okay. a, a loop pedal doesn't he yeah aye. do you know what i mean so he's doing all the stuff himself i mean fucking hamden and he's sold it out you know what i mean he's just showing that you, you get lots of bands and artists grown up and that the sole aim is I need to get a record deal and I think there's lots of bands and, and singers especially like Jerry Cinnamon, uh, Cinnamon just showing you that you don't need to I mean if you do get a record deal great well done that's fantastic hopefully everything works out but yeah you can definitely you can definitely do things on your own and just the, un- the unsigned scene in general there's hundreds of bands out there that are playing at big massive venues and they're not signed and, and it's 
the show's no different. Yeah, it definitely. I think for years, and it probably was the, the case at some point, but like the dream for an unsigned band would be getting that record deal. That would almost be the end game. So bands wouldn't really prepare for any life after that. They would just, we want to get signed. But things have totally changed now. It's all really about, I guess, Spotify streams. It's about data. It's about how many email addresses do you have in your mailing list? Are you selling merch? How many folk are you getting at your shows? If you can do, say, a night at the Barras and then a night at the Liquid Room in Edinburgh and a night at the Beach Ballroom up in Aberdeen and you're an unsigned band in Scotland, then it's probably better than having a having a record deal. You can put out your stuff independently. You've still got that fan base there. You've got, I guess, an agent involved can book your, your shows and get you higher up festival bills and get you on bigger support shows. But having a record label certainly helps, but it's totally doable without one and Jerry's yeah the epitome of that the way that he's got to selling out Hamden there's no many Scottish acts that could sell out Hamden even with a record deal I mean you'd struggle to pinpoint anybody else probably Capaldi at the moment I guess like you're like Calvin Harris's and stuff but that you'd probably count on on one hand the amount of Scottish acts that could probably sell out Hamden at this moment in time I think because that's what 50,000 cap is fair amount of people and it's not just uh, one night no, it's a couple no, of nights it's DIY approach as, as opposed to getting discovered by a record label like that was already coming to the fore pre-covid but now but now that we're in, in the midst of covid a year down the line that's like it's, it's reinforced this, this this new attitude this new approach through necessity so like see, see whenever we come out of this the whole musical landscape's gonna look unrecognizable it's gonna be completely different and i don't yet know if that's a good thing or not <laughs> yeah gigs and the the whole sort of industry is going to have a, a massive surge in, in interest when we come out of lockdown which which is great and when gigs are back there is going to be a, a demand but yeah how is the sort of short to medium term looking for the industry it's it's very difficult to tell and the fact that a lot of venues are struggling as well there's many venues that have closed already like are the ones that are left will they manage to hold on until music is back in a full capacity you kind of hope so but it's still a fair bit to go until the the end of the pandemic yet but like everyone just buzzing to get to get gigs back and then just take it from there and, and see what happens really it's frightening see just before i give ground to anthony again though you, you'd mentioned kyle faulkner earlier on yes. so i wanted to share a wee anecdote the anecdote the first time that the Sinsheimers were lucky enough to headline King Tut's, we were afforded the opportunity to pick our own support. So we took a couple of local boys, we took uh, Gary McDowell and the uh, Dommy Boy. When we arrived there, the promoter had very last minute decided that they wanted to add a third act to the bill. Can you remember what they were called, Anthony? They were a Dundee band called Crooked Saints, and I believe that oh, the lead yeah. singer is Billy Mitchell. All right, OK, I know Billy, yeah. Right, so, turns out, Kyle Faulkner was pally with these lads and we were hanging out in the green room. Kyle burst through the, like, when I say burst, like, he barreled through the door. Right? Didn't acknowledge anybody and went straight into the toilet for reasons only known to himself. Maybe he's bursting right? for a shite. Who knows? <laughs> and he came out a bit more relaxed. Right? We'd, we'd struck up a conversation with him. I think, I'm pretty sure it was me and you, Anthony, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're just chatting with him. Right. I'm paraphrasing myself, right, but the, the, the gist of what I was saying was, why don't you stick around and 
check out these these bands from down the road, see what you think. <laughs> Do you know what he said? And I'm, I'm quoting this. He kind of gave me a sideways look and went, nah, fuck that. <laughs> and, he, and he walked out <laughs> the green room. It definitely sounds like Kel Faulkner, like kind of heady sort of vibe. Do you know what the thing is? We were the headline band, and, and do you know what I mean? We were hoping he was going to stick around and see us. He was always trying to get back down the road, but as soon as he left, we all just burst into hysterics. Didn't take offence to it at all. We were just like that. Chris, you literally stopped Kyle Faulkner <laughs> from The View. Basically said, you should stick around and watch my band. And he just said to your face, nah, mate, fuck that. <laughs> like that. We just laughed and went, that's quality. <laughs> telling, it, telling it as he is. At least right. we were like that. At least he was honest. <laughs> I tell you what, he's totally mellowed out now. He's married with two kids and he's looking healthier than ever. I was looking, he's got a, a video out for his latest single, Stress Ball. Just him in a scrapyard, like, battering anything they can see. Yeah, I believe he's, he's totally clean now. He still drinks now and again. But yeah, I think he's finally kind of got clean. Maybe the kind of view hiatus helped that as well because I would imagine being on tour, a group of guys and... That whole rock and roll lifestyle is probably very different from him going out on tour for his kind of solo projects. It's good to see him kind of mellowing out a bit and, and looking kind of healthy and releasing really good material as well. Maybe, who oh. knows, maybe he'll come along and, and catch one of your Severe shows at some point. <laughs> nah, fuck that. <laughs> I, very, I very much got that vibe that, that he was kind of towing the line these days uh, when I listened to him in a recent interview. What's the name of that podcast, Anthony? The, the Scottish guy? <laughs> Couldn't he be a bit more specific, Chris? He interviewed, <laughs> he interviewed Georgie Lyle. Um, James English. Anything goes aye. with James English. Oh, aye, yeah, he's got a yeah, that's that's the podcast, actually, yeah. So I, I listened to him interview Kyle. It, it really seemed totally scunnered with that kind of lifestyle. Like, totally burnt out. Like, he speaks pretty candidly about losing mates and stuff like that and like rubbing people the wrong way and I uh, so it was refreshing to hear that he'd kind of straightened himself out but aye the story was funny I actually, definitely, I, I actually saw him at the BBC key sessions it was Kyle and uh, Snow Patrol so this would have been 2018 it was when my wife was pregnant with our son Connor the two of us like Kyle Funner but ever since we were in school we're massive Snow Patrol fans and we managed to get tickets I'm like, well, that's, that's awesome, like, because we were kind of thought it was going to be like kind of one big act, and then maybe one kind of lesser known, but the fact that it was the two of them, do you know what I mean, it was just a cracking show, I, I'm, I'm thinking it was maybe the end of the series or something, and that's why they had kind of two big acts, yeah, I was kind of surprised I hadn't heard much of his solo stuff, and it was dead chilled out, and it was, I mean, I like the view, but the, his solo stuff was kind of more right up my street. And it was just, it was absolutely fantastic and like a really awesome show. Very different. It totally, I'd said when he first started releasing his solo stuff, I was like, that's got like Radio 2 written all over it, Radio 2 like sort of mm-hmm. A-list. And I've noticed that his more recent tracks actually have been heavily featured on Radio 2 and he's been on for interviews and stuff. I guess that's the kind of line he's going down at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if the view get back together. I think that probably will happen probably sooner rather than later. I think there's a demand for it. But no, it's good to see uh, the solo shows doing well and the band I managed, March Up, the Bicycle Thieves, have been out supporting him a couple of times, actually, so it's been good to get along and, and, and to see the shows. And yeah, the solo shows are just are very different, but um, you still get the good sing-along, but they're not as mental as the the few gigs were. He was doing some... Um some kind of live streams, I'm sure, at the start of the lockdown last year. I'm, I might be wrong here, I'm sure it was to raise money for, for a charity or something like that. It was like donations, like when you were logging onto it. I think he ended up going for about three hours or something like that. 
just sitting playing random tunes and talking to people. It was awesome. Honestly, you give him a guitar and he could just sit and play all night. How have you kind of found lockdown, just while we're on that subject? What sort of stuff are you missing? It's been fr- as frustrating as the next person, I guess. The people that, that have had it worse, without a doubt. I've been lucky. I've worked throughout. As much as maybe getting one or two days furlough seems quite appealing. Oh, an extra long weekend or whatever, I, I'm kind of glad that I, that I have worked throughout. I think I would have just got bored. The fact that gigs and football games haven't been happening has kept me bored enough anyway. So, to be fair, getting out and doing a lot more walking anyway, I would go up and do the odd hill. I would do the odd mountain or whatever, especially living in Loch Oilhead where I stayed for a number of years. So, I was getting out now and again, but like I'm out maybe two or three days up the Kilpatrick Hills at the moment just because it's good to go out and get the fresh air and not bad for the fitness either. I've got uh, one of the, one of those perfect draft machines so I need, to, uh, <laughs> I need to work off the beer that I'm going to be drinking when I get back in the house. So yeah, I've just been doing that, doing the radio show as well. I guess that's been something that's kept me busy during this latest lockdown. Just a case of taking every day as it comes really, keeping busy. When you were saying about River Radio... Am I right in saying you, you didn't say that you're doing that from home? Is there like a studio that you guys can go just now to to do your shows? No, that's it's totally remote broadcasting. Is yeah, it, is so it from just, home? They've got a, a great system set up and I can literally just log in to their system from anywhere and, and broadcast a live show, which is amazing. They've got the ability to listen again, which is something that kind of really drew me to it as well. With the Grapevine shows, it was great. The show would go out on a Saturday night and then that would be it. It'd be away in the cloud. Uh, I think the thing with River Radio is the show will go out on a, a Thursday night, 8 till 10, which is a, a new time slot. And then after that, it will then appear on the, the Listen Again function on the website. The way that people consume their music, consume their podcasts, consume their radio shows is, is so different from what it was even like five, ten years ago. So the option now that we can put the playlist up after the show, put a link to it and say... You can listen again from from this link here. That actually gets more listeners than the the live show, ironically. But it's a good way that people can listen again and and hear the band being played or or just listen if they they fancy kind of discovering some new music or whatever. What's the best way of listening to the show? Is there an app or is it best to just go on the website or socials? How how can people get involved and, and listen? So there's, there's loads of different ways, actually. So they've got River Radio app. So on the App Store for iPhone and the Google Play Store, you can just search for River Radio. You can get them on your smart speaker. But I believe you've got to set your smart speaker up to play River Radio because I, I kept shouting at my smart speaker, like, play River Radio, and it would play something completely different. It would play some artist called River Gibbs. And I'm like, I have no idea who River Gibbs is. <laughs> it's shouting at my Alexa. But once you've got it set up, it will play if you ask it to play River Radio or you can get it on the website as well it's just um, riverradio.uk there should be more ways to listen later in the year as well so I don't think anything's announced yet yeah keep keep your eye out and, and hopefully there will be even more ways to listen from summer and what's the best way for bands to submit their music to? for, for me it's just ross at riverradio.uk the system that we use is, is great in the fact that if I upload a track for my show, it'll remain on the system. So it's not as if like that's playing off my laptop and only I've got access to that. So as soon as I play an artist on my show, it then becomes available for, for anybody at the station. Alternatively, you can email studio at, at riverradio.uk. Send over your track, preferably a, an MP3 or a, a SoundCloud link where I can download the track. A wee bit of a bio, which just makes my life a little bit easier in terms of doing the groundwork and searching for the bio for a band that I can't find on socials, 
which is many an hour's been spent trying to search for bands on socials that I just can't find. Some bands still don't have social media, believe it or not. It's just bizarre. But there we go. And then, yeah, just send it over to me and we can, I'll usually get back in touch and let you know when it's going to be on the show as well. Are there any kind of like advice for these bands? Is there any plenty of bands and acts do that are big kind of no-nos just kind of put you off listening to the track straight away? Not from the track itself. I guess it's when like artists email you and say, this act's had no radio play and almost kind of like boasting about it. And it's like, there's a lot of community radio presenters that will play songs. That just almost screams like you've not tried hard enough. If, if, if it's not at any radio play, there's one or two reasons. You're a new band, therefore you've probably not asked yet for the radio play, which is fine. Or you've been going for a while and you just haven't really reached out to the stations. River Radio is excellent and it's great to do the new music show. But there, there's a lot of good community stations and there's a lot of good presenters putting new music out on a, a regular basis. It's a shame that more commercial stations aren't doing it. I know the BBC have got... BBC introduced in Scotland again which is great news and they've got an excellent show on a Friday night which is another one for bands like you need to be on yeah BBC introducing that's a big platform that kind of opened your music up to a much wider audience but yeah just get in touch let us know a bit of a bio usually let us know what gigs you've got coming up so we can get along and see you live as well obviously that's kind of different with the pandemic but if you've got any live streams coming up let us know as well and we can we can certainly plug them you, you very diplomatically sidestepped the third uh, reason that a band might not have got airplay and that's that it could be terrible it could be <laughs> I, I thought it was on the tip of your tongue and then <laughs> as i say as long as as long as you're putting the effort into it you can tell from a recording if a, if a band's tight, if they're putting the effort. It might not be the kind of music that I would usually listen to. There's stuff that I play on the show that I wouldn't probably sit at home and listen to on Spotify or whatever, but I listen to it and know that obviously it is a, it is a good track, the band are tight, and there's clearly a lot of effort that's gone into it. Yeah, occasionally you can get a recording that's maybe a demo and, and not particularly well put together, should I say. On that note, is River Gibbs any good? <laughs> River Gibbs, do you know, I never, I, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, I said River Gibbs, I'm not sure. I never listened to it long enough to actually... Uh, right, that's our homework and the listeners, we're all going to go and listen to River Gibbs. <laughs> I think I spent my evening shouting the, the Alexa as soon as Alexa told me it was River Gibbs that was going to go on and I never actually gave them the time of day, which maybe I should have. Let's do it. <laughs> I think River Gibbs are really bothered about anyone else checking them out because... Whenever someone's asking for River Radio, their streams are just going right up anyway. So I know, there we go. Why have we got so many people in Dumbarton listening to River Gibbs? <laughs> Maybe it's just my accent that Alexa can't understand. Who's on your kind of bucket list? Is there anyone you're absolutely desperate to see? Even if it's been somebody you've seen before, but like in a world where it's not reduced capacity, you know what I mean? Everything's just back to normal. Who would be your kind of number one for you to go and see? Oh, what a tough question. We, I, I, do you know, I've got so many tickets for gigs coming up and they just keep getting rescheduled and rescheduled. I'm looking forward to Jerry at Hamden. That's going to be good. Trail West at the Barrowlands, actually. That's going to be a really special night because that's them stepping up to the next level. So they're a band that usually play pubs, like Sessions and Cayleys, and they play village halls across the West and out to the islands. But a Barrowlands show for them is really special. Scaryvore as well, and another band that I've seen 
multiple times already, but they've kind of really taken it up a level with their latest releases. They are A-listers now on BBC Radio 2 as well, actually. So I think seeing them again is a, is a must after the lockdown. It'll be good to get back on the road with Mark Shark and the Bicycle Thieves. I've been lucky enough because, obviously, working with the band to see them live during lockdown because we've done the odd full band live stream in a, a venue and I've been lucky to be there. Uh, there's a lot of good unsigned bands. Rest, they're another excellent band from, from Edinburgh who really, at, at the moment, Dead Sea Souls, Luke LaVolpe. I could list bands all day, but yeah, particularly that Trail West one I'm really excited about. And yeah, Jerry Cinnamon at, at Hamden as well, I think. But that's probably not going to be this year. I think you're probably going to be talking 22. I kind of still feel that the majority of this year is going to be a bit of a write-off for gigs. Maybe the end of the year some kind of big venue gigs but with reduced capacity but then again it's one of those ones where is it really viable to do a reduced capacity gig at somewhere like the hydro you know what i mean because they, surely they're going to need the money coming in from all the tickets to, yeah to kind of that one it's a tricky one yeah i think it's totally going to depend on what happens with social distancing obviously there's chat that social distancing can go as early as june which i just think is not 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 a chance that i'd be very surprised if social distancing gets scrapped in june so i think there's a little bit more confidence in the industry at the moment that late august into september that the outdoor shows might be allowed to happen and, and then maybe smaller venues building into the, the bigger sort of venues by the end of the year but then who knows like I would have predicted last year somebody asked me I was on for an interview after gig and the Goyle got moved from May to October last year and we moved it just to be safe and somebody had asked me they're like how confident are you about October and I was like really confident that's us moved because we're just like May's looking a little bit difficult and it was before the lockdown had fully happened but things were looking like they were going to be off for a few months and I don't think anyone had predicted that it's gone the way it has, where we've just not had anything for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been definitely been a crazy time for everybody. Just going back a wee bit, you'd mentioned um, Lewis Capaldi. I've obviously heard your name dropped by him a good few times in interviews. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he seems to kind of really think, think a lot of yourself and, and what you've done for him at the start. So can you tell us a wee bit about that story? How do you guys know each other? Legend of a guy, actually. I did hear him, I think it was in an interview with George Ezra, and he kind of mentioned it. Lewis's brother, Warren, he's kind of ages with me. We're both from West Lothian. I was from Mid-Calder. They were from Whitburn. So not too far apart and both involved in the, the music scene. So it was part of that Grapevine show, actually. Warren was like a regular performer. He, he would maybe come up once a month onto the show whenever we didn't have another session and then perform live in session. And then one week he says to me, he's like, listen, my brother's written a song. He's only 12, but he fancies coming up and playing it live. And I was like, bring him up next week, get him on the show, we'll see how he is. So lo and behold, a young Lewis Capaldi came up with a guitar that was bigger than him and performed on the show that day and I was I was blown away by his um like the enthusiasm and the, just like how confident he was like he wasn't caring like shy he was wanting to get out he was like what do you want to do for a living and all this kind of stuff he's like yeah I want to play music and all this so we ended up booking him for like his first gig on the back of that it was a small festival that was putting on in Edinburgh SOS Fest it was called at the GRV which is now the Mash House it wasn't a big festival by any means it was What's the capacity? About maybe about 250 people a day, and it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we had Tommy Riley, the Excerpt, Sergeant, the Ray Summers, 
I think the Apple scruffs were meant to play, but I think they split up literally that weekend. Scott Hutchison from Frightened Rabbit did a set last minute, filling in for them, which was just incredible. But anyway, he opened the Friday evening. He was first on in the acoustic stage. And again, I was like, amazing. Like, he's like so confident. He's playing in front of probably no more than a handful of people there, but still, like, to be 12 years old and to be standing up singing your own songs in front of a room of strangers is, is incredible. So on the, the Friday evening, the main support to Tommy Riley was Guy Ewan Butler. He plays bass for Luke LaVolpe now. He was performing and I can't remember if he finished early and then there was a little bit of time to kill because the changeover to Tommy Riley was taking a bit longer than expected. I saw Lewis still standing there with his guitar in the corner of the acoustic lounge. There was nobody on and he was just playing a guitar. And I tell you what, like jump on the stage, there's a full crowd in because it was a sale event, 250 people waiting for Tommy Riley. And I was like, do you want to go on and just do like three or four songs? There's still a video of it actually on YouTube singing some Paolo Nettini, I think it is. So he played that and he's played a ton of shows for us since then, but he's always been in it for the right reasons. He just wants to play his music to the wider sort of audience and he's, he's, he's always been a kind of great songwriter as well well i was going to say could you have at that point had any idea how big it would be but i suppose that's a bit of a daft question because he's he's kind of got stupidly massive you know what i mean but when you first saw him did you think that you had a potential to kind of make a career of it or was it just kind of this kid's good just give him a chance I, no I, I think there's definitely potential but at the same time there's been so many acts that we have worked with that have had potential and nothing's became of it so as much as i remember thinking he's amazing i didn't think he'd get nearly as big as he's as he's got today mm-hmm. also at the age of of 12 you're thinking you're like is he, is he going to stick with this you know is he maybe going to get to like 15 16 and, and chuck it or whatever i ended up joining a band with uh, adam warrington who's the guitarist in youngblood so the two of them had a band together and they, they had a an acoustic project as well called cool blue who were really good after the two of them, Lewis just focused on the solo stuff again and that's when he got picked up by his management. And from then it's just been I think excellent management has really helped as well. Like the way some of the kind of things that for instance his kind of social media presence, which is kind of unknown that an act would I guess let you so far into their kind of lives as he's done yeah. on your Instagram and stuff. And it's really worked. There's more acts now trying to be like him on on socials and you can kind of tell that, especially when yeah. Your TikToks and all that coming through now. TikToks weren't really a thing when when he was emerging, but but yeah, acts are trying to be more like him, and I think that's obviously he's got really good management and stuff that have that have helped him progress. But obviously, he's got the talent, he's got the songwriting, he's got the the tracks to fill arenas essentially, and, and yeah, good on him. My kind of thoughts were like when he was doing the the whole social media stuff, and like you said, letting the kind of fans a wee bit more in, you know what I mean, to know him and what his personality is like. I kind of thought, first of all, this is awesome, but his his management must be like, oh shit, don't do this, man. But then it's obviously been the complete opposite because they've seen that that's what people want and they just they just want you to be genuine. I've noticed that, like you said, there's a few other acts that are kind of trying to, kind of try to copy him, you know what I mean? You're just yeah. like, you don't need to copy him, but just maybe take a leaf out of his book, be yourself. Don't just be what the the record label want you to be. I mean, I know you need to to a certain extent, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I uh, just be a bit more yourself. I I just remember being in absolute hysterics 
his coverage of him going to the Brit Awards. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's an absolute character. And I have to say, I, I never imagined that some of the things that have gone out on his Instagram now that he's super famous ha- have actually ended up on there. And yeah, his appearance at the Brits as well and just him posing for all the photos and such like, it's yeah. just uh, hilarious. Absolute think- legend. I think one of the things he was talking about is it says on the invite, he says, it says, be here for six o'clock for your meal. The event starts at eight. And he said, I don't fucking want a meal. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just a bottle of breakfast. I've had my tea. I think that kind of brings us near the end of the show. So thank you very much for joining us and, and sharing some of your advice and and your experiences of, of what you do. Have you enjoyed it yourself? Definitely, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us on and um, catching up with you guys and uh, we can get an actual real beer in, uh, Definitely. in post-pandemic, yeah. Before we kind of wrap up and, and say our goodbyes, could I just push you for a one to watch for, I'd probably say 2021 and 2022. Well, I'm going to be biased and i tell you what, Mark Sharp, the Bicycle Thieves, who are the band that I manage, I think it's really important in the music industry to have the people that, that work with your band, people that are passionate about what you're bringing out. So the, the reason that I, I manage the guys and help the guys out is because I'm really passionate about the stuff that, that they're bringing out and yep. March Up, The Bicycle Thieves, definitely. However, I have to give a special mention to Rest, who are one of my favourite bands at the moment. I have no involvement with the band, but if you get the chance to check them out, it's W-R-E-S-T. And it's a sort of idle wild type frightened rabbit, almost Snow Patrol anthems. The guys are brilliant. They're, they're not massive in, in Scotland by any means because they, they play venues of maybe three, 400 cap at the moment. But they've got a German tour coming up later in the year and a few of the dates are sold out already. Just shows you that the, awesome. the German crowds absolutely dig the unsigned music in Scotland. And am I right in saying with both bands you can find all their music on all major platforms and social media and all that? Definitely, yes. So we've actually got a new March Up, the Bicycle Thieves release out on the 16th of April. Uh, I'm not sure when this is going out, but yeah, the new the new single, Sink or Swim, will be out on the 16th of April. So that'll be on all the, the usual streaming sites. Not sure what rest they've got lined up, but I know they've released new releases during lockdown. Uh, so they're well worth checking out on Spotify as well. Awesome. But what we'll do when this show does eventually go out, we'll tag both bands. Uh, cool. and that as, you, as you're kind of one to watch and we'll leave some links for the listeners to just go straight on and listen to them rather than searching about for them but listen Ross cool. it's been a pleasure thank you very much for very joining much. us on the sit down and all the best for the future cool, guys. Right, thanks very much cheers